What do I have in common with Prince Harry? Actually, almost nothing. But that being said, I do have an interesting story to tell that involves his name. In 1982, the newspapers were looking for new horizons. We began an exploration of technology. We were among the first to use modems, modular, demodulator devices, that would allow people to call a number and press a button to vote on a poll. Then from there, we partnered with a wonderful artist named Gus Grosenko and tried to develop an actual TV listing channel with advertising and, yes, even a timer and a way to skip the ads, just as you see now on YouTube. That potential service reached the point of a demo tape we built based on what was called Teledon from Vancouver, B.C. It was a text and graphic system that scrolled information. We based our concept on it. But at the time, the cable company had no channel space. Imagine that. We were forced to abandon the project. Along the way, however, we encountered something on a videotape that was called the Quantel Digital Paint Box, made by a very innovative British company. At $150,000, this was no toy. But it was an incredible breakthrough device that allowed the creation of a genuine paint-style graphics for video. It used what was called a Summa Graphics tablet and a pen. We did a survey of Seattle advertising agencies and got a very enthusiastic response. It looked extremely promising, so we struck an agreement with the photography studio of Dudley Harden and Yang at 1921 Minor and rented out the front of their building, later building out two editing suites on the second floor. Artronics Northwest was born. These were beautiful rooms painted deep forest green with nice couches and steps with bee lights and good speakers for ambiance. Almost immediately, we got national attention. We had also purchased a device called the Dunn Image Scanner that would let us take still frames from video and copy them to slides for use in print. It caused us to do business with every TV network, hundreds of ad agencies, and channels like MTV, Showtime, HBO, and others. It also got us attention with those people, and we were growing fast, doing about $50,000 a month in 1985. We had found out that the name we were using had been copyrighted, seriously, one day before we launched. So we had to rename the company and came up with Digital Post and Graphics. With a new name and more employees, we hoped to expand. That meant looking at the next step, and Quantel was on a roll. They had invented a new device called the Mirage, which took the video signal and could make it follow any geometry in real time. If you wanted your video to appear in a rotating ball and bounce around, it could do it. But that specialized tool was too much for our needs. So we looked at buying something a little bit less, called the Encore, that would permit flying screens, graphics, and other effects. Just as we were considering that device, we got a special invitation from Quantel. They asked us to attend a technology preview, limited to a very few people in their hotel suite at the Las Vegas Hilton during the National Association of Broadcasters show. They told us almost nothing about it, but promised we would be beyond impressed. We made our way to the show and saw the early Pixar editing system, the Bosch FGS 4000 that had been used to create the Money for Nothing video by Dire Straits, and something called HDTV, High Definition Television, only on two screens, but it was all cutting-edge, amazing stuff. Then the word came. 
We were to get wristbands and be at the hotel suite at 1.30 p.m. Walking over, I was filled with excitement. This was going to sound pretty prosaic now, but we walked in and on a simple table was a large TV monitor in front of a set of mauve curtains. They greeted us and after a brief preamble, they said, Ladies and gentlemen, meet the Quantel Harry. Yes, it was named after the newborn prince, Harry, daughter of Charles and Diana Windsor. On the screen were what appeared to be three vertical film strips. Then the artist running the system did something amazing. He cut the video on the screen and pasted it into another clip. People gasped. This was the beginning of what is called nonlinear video editing. Up until then, video was done in a very different way by literally using a paper punch tape that instructed a set of computers or a set of tape machines to uh, carry out an edit and switch between those sources. A very primitive system based on today's technology, but that's how they did it. Prior to that, they literally cut it with a razor blade and spliced it back together. That's incredibly slow. It was a slow and arduous and very costly process. Harry offered amazing speed, and better yet, it was digital, so no quality was lost. It was limited to 90 seconds of total storage and had to be kept in a refrigerated room, but it was incredible. The system used four 440-megabyte multi-headed Winchester hard drives to accomplish its digital wizardry. We bought the Encore and the Harry and installed them in 1986. They cost $450,000 together. Incredibly enough, we had been talking with an audio production company at the same time, too. They elected to move in downstairs with a device they called the Synclavier, which was among the very first digital sampling devices and offered a huge range of audio production capability. By late 86, we had installed all the gear and became the very first all-digital production facility on the planet. Today, of course, literally all this and much more can be done on a device you carry in your pocket. Knowing that should give you some sense of how things can change. In the process, though, I went on to win two Emmy Awards. We did work for MTV, NBC Sports, plus many, many others. And more importantly to me, I learned what it meant to live on the very cutting edge. <laughs>